This is uh, Joshua Bell's uh, continuous discussion with my Bible study on Tuesday morning as we continue to talk about um, the the last days of Christ. That's kind of what I'm dis deciding that I'm going to call this section. And we're going to do a comprehensive study uh, between um, Matthew, um, Mark, Luke, and John. So all, all of those will be at the same exact time. And um, so last week we ended up with this conversation of Passover. And I, I said I, I didn't want to go into the conversation about the institution of the Lord's Supper uh, by itself. Uh, I needed it to be, I needed it to be a, a conversation that we had separately from Passover. And there's a, there's a reason for this. So one of the things that takes place in the, the Passover feast um, that Dr. Carter's not going to spend a lot of time on because it's a religious institution, uh, but it's this institution of Lord's Supper is a it's a practice of the community that they have obviously historically been doing for a while and they're trying to make sense of it. This uh when they when I try to say make sense of it, they, they just know that when Jesus died, all these Christian people continued to do to practice this this meal. And it happens to be during Passover. Now, I'm going to say something that's going to blow your mind, and, and, I, and I want to prepare you for this. There has been a very uh, focused way of Christianity to denounce Judaism uh, since the fourth century. Um, and, and when I say that, I mean, like everything that we can possibly do to say, well, they're wrong and we're right um, throughout the beginning. I don't teach that way, and I, I never will. Um, and so one of the things that happens is specifically when it comes to the Last Supper, we do that to say, well, Jesus gets rid of Passover. Matthew does not do that. He says what we just did. He, he said during the Passover meal, when he's with his disciples, he has this conversation with them. And, and and verse 26, this is where we're starting. I'm going to read this and we're talking. He says, while they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread and after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat. Uh, this is my body. Then he took a cup and after giving thanks, he gave it to them saying, bless you. Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for uh, the, for many, for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will never drink of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom. And then when they had sung the hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. So this is not replacing the Passover meal. You will hear it preached and you have heard it preached that Jesus gets rid of Passover. Uh, You'll, and this is this is why we struggle during Monday Thursday, because uh, you'll have agencies, you'll have whole groups of people that are uh, with the, the phrases Jewish Christians, like I'm a Jew 
that believes in Jesus as Messiah. Oh, okay, cool. So what does that mean? Well, they continue to have Passover. And while they're in the Passover feast, there's a separate meal. Like there's a separate moment. Because the Haggadah, which is what we use during Pesach, is is very clearly designed to be a remembrance meal of uh, when when God passed over the houses. And then there's these stories that take place throughout all of the Haggadah that talks about Passover, right? What Jesus does here is totally separate. But Christianity has has historically said, uh, well, Jesus gets rid of all of that and starts something new. Well, Matthew, remember, we had this conversation over and over again. Matthew is clearly a highly educated Jewish scholar. So he he could have been a priest. He could have been a Pharisee. Um, if he wanted to say that, this would have been his opportunity. And he did not do that. So this is, this is Josh saying, if it's not in the Bible, don't read into it. Um, but Big C Christianity has done this for the, since the fourth century, fourth century. Now, just to take it a step further, when you hear the phrase supersessionist, that's where this comes from. Um, when Christianity tries to supersede Judaism and say, this is where Jesus secedes Judaism. Jesus still died Jewish at the end of the day. Even his burial ritual was Jewish. Um, what the end result is, there's something new. That's my whole point. And yes, I'm making a mountain out of a molehill, but I, I, I have to be very careful that when we talk about this through the rest of the texts, you're going to hear it and you're going to go, oh my goodness, I never heard that before, especially when you get to the Gospel of John. Uh, there's a different conversation altogether uh, as to, oh, well, you know, th these are bad guys. These are bad guys. These are bad guys. And Big C took it to a whole nother level and said, oh, yeah, this is this is why all Jews are bad. Um, that's not what it says in the text, but that's how we've preached it. So we have a lot of um, we have a lot of reclamation and reconciliation that we have to make for that. So. OK, so I'm curious. <clears throat> Um, Sally, in verse 28, what is the word for many? Because why doesn't it say all? Oh. Belong, which is plural, has to do with people. Belong. I don't know. The Omicron belong to. Though we're not there yet, would it be? For believers baptized and not for uh, -uh. okay i'm just yeah no the that, that's in the covenant which is poured out for many yeah but if you're not, not in for all if you're not in covenant i guess that's where i'm at he's the covenant of god Hesed. when god promised all of the ancestors that's the covenant that he's referring to even there that's that's it's a belief in God. It's inclusive. I mean, I understand. I, yeah, it's an inclusive statement. I, I guess that's where I'm at. Is the reason it says many is because it's not for people that haven't accepted Jesus. Or I'm 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 going New Testament here, definitely. But yeah, yeah, no, and and uh, for for him, uh, I want to make sure I say this right. 
and I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just trying to answer the question of why it might say one versus the other. It's interesting. Dr. Carp writes that the Jesus's death is interpreted in these terms. Uh, Jesus doesn't even give us an example of what the new covenant is throughout the New Testament. He just says this new covenant. God's faithfulness, even in unfaithfulness, continues. The forgiveness of sins does not only denote personal sins. The term forgiveness is used 14 times in Leviticus chapter 25, also Deuteronomy chapter 15, to denote the year of Jubilee, the year of societal restructuring, freeing slaves, canceling debt, returning prosperity. Jesus' death anticipates a just society at his return and establishment of God's empire which would make sense if you go through the lens of Dr. Carter. I, I like, I like that, but um, yeah, again, another one of those passages that people argue about all the time. Um, what is, what is this new covenant? And it's also preached as inclusive versus exclusive, um, which I think the whole institution of the Lord's Supper is supposed to be exclusive and including all of those that are, what did I say that wrong? Did I say it backwards? You no. said exclusive, but yet including. Including, yeah. So like here it is for everyone. Um, and and then and then including all of those that profess God and him as the son of. Yeah, I, I guess that's where it becomes inclusive. Yeah. Somebody walking in off the street that is hungry and totally clueless that god exists here it is i mean you know we once you're not having the lord's supper at that time you're having something to eat and drink that's right um just a side note right there at the end did you all catch the part where they sang the hymn and then they went up to the mount of olives um so this is a this is a really cool technique that takes place in uh, eschatological literature um Every time that something happens, there's singing of joy, singing of praises to God. There's uh, loud trumpets being played. There's this, when God returns, there's always this image that takes place. Again, Matthew knows what he's right, doing. So he he writes this, and it's just one verse, right? There's this hymn, and then they all return to the Mount of Olives. That's, I just always love that piece. Thought, question. Mm -hmm. If we were as a church trying to replace Passover <clears throat> with the Lord's Supper, wouldn't we just have it once? Same way we do holidays. If we were trying to replace it? Yeah. Yes. I mean, we would just stand up and he would do right it right on top of it. And right. Say, well, we did for a really, really long time. Um, it's also why we have Lent during Passover. Like for real. Uh, we The Big C decided that we'll do Lent during Passover. And then at the end of Passover or Lent, we have the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection marks the end of Pesach. A few hundred years down the road, I don't understand why we battle with the Jews. I mean, it, it, I understand because it comes right down to Jesus. Right. You know, and but anyway. Humans like to fight and we all <laughs> like to be right all the time. And take sides. And we like to take sides. And I guess with faith, if there's any doubt, then you're in trouble. That's right. I mean, well, I mean, 
just think about how we how we're talking right now. If we were to do this in a conversation in a different faith tradition that challenges the idea that uh, supersession isn't isn't real, like no, we're not trying to do that. Jesus does replace the Passover meal where they take it literally, um, where there's no conversation at all. And I said to them, well, I would like for you in the midst of our conversation to show me the proof. I'm a data guy. So let's just sit down and talk about it. They can't, they can't do it. I mean, you, you've literally rocked their entire world. Then they say, here, let's have Sally, who's a woman who can read Greek. Let's have Sally tell us what it says in Greek. They would rock their world. They, they just, they just cannot fathom that. Um, and it's terrifying to them. I'm like, you're, 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 you're destroying their whole world. So the idea of even us having communion every Sunday and us using the language that all those that profess Jesus as Savior are welcome to this feast, even in our own faith movement, we've struggled with what does that mean all? You know, I mean, Jesus himself says, uh, takes a loaf of bread, take this. He doesn't give them any guidance. Okay, by the way, all of you that are sitting here in this room, uh, all of you must have a brown hair and brown eyes. Or, you know, or have been baptized. See, this is this is where the argument comes. Or are you have to be confirmed. N none of none of those things are in this text. Yeah, that's the question. Always are all versus many. Right. I mean, all versus many. I could say that. Yeah, I could I could see see that not say so that I, I didn't mean to go on a rabbit trail, but it's this little passage of scripture um, is also inspired by Paul. <laughs> Oh, well, one last bunny, and he's a fast one. Okay, this is called the Lord's Supper. Yep. Um, Lord, by definition, just means somebody that's in charge of somebody. Yeah. I I struggle with that. Sure. Because there's lords all over the place, mm -hmm. especially at their time. They yep. can't turn around without finding or seeing mm -hmm. somebody's in charge of them. That's right. I mean, and I'm just I'm just simply talking about the definition it's it's on purpose for for matthew uh like it's a hundred percent on purpose matthew is making jesus um uh, more powerful than the 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 lords in their present time the lord he'll make him the lord and when he comes back he will be the lord over all king of kings and lord of lords Right, so. that language, yeah. You see how cool this is? That's that's only four verses. <laughs> the rest of it's going to go fairly quickly. I just, I wanted to spend some good amount of time on this. Because, uh, again, this is probably the most controversial piece throughout Christianity today. Uh, you, you hear this a lot when you talk about who gets to come to the table, who gets to administer the, the, the communion elements. Uh, how how does the bread made holy? How is the wine made holy? Um, it, it's this this becomes a very interesting thing that people decided to die on the sword for, um, and it's very simplistic. I guess here. it's for the priests get their power. I mean, if you want to, I mean, they're well, all, they're all Jesus. Of, I mean, yeah, all of Christianity until the nineteenth, uh, yeah, till the nineteenth century. That's that's how bad this is. See, I. 
sorry, Josh, don't see you as Jesus when you're at the table. <laughs> well, you should not, and that'd be a problem. But John Wesley, even when he was talking about in instituting communion, it had to be a certain specific type of person. Um, had to be an ordained deacon or ordained elder. It had to be a specific person that could administer that. Jesus does not say this biblically. The institution of Christianity did. So in the 19th century, the conversation as to who gets to sit at the table and who gets to administer the elements also gets changed. So I say John Wesley, John Calvin does, Wycliffe does, uh, Martin Luther definitely does because he's just two steps removed from being Catholic. Uh, even Catholicism today has opened up that conversation as to who can administer it and who can receive it. Like, I mean, they, they all have come to the point of saying, yeah, maybe we were doing this out of a place of power. <laughs> who can come and who can't? Really probably rocked <clears throat> rock their world when somebody decided that women could Oh, do oh, that's still going started. on. Though. Yeah, it's still it's a thing. It's in Kansas. It's still a thing. It's interesting. Uh, I was just looking up uh, early church communion, uh, and we get a lot of our understanding of the early church through art, through uh, right frescoes discovered in catacombs and things like that. And uh, in this one, there's seven people that are celebrating the Lord's Supper. Uh, one of them is a woman mm -hmm. in it. And uh, so she's actually, you know, uh, with with the men in that. And there's uh, red wine. There's two large plates um, um, containing uh, five loaves of bread, which is symbolizing when Jesus uh, multiplied the, the five loaves. And uh, there's two fish there as well, which I thought was interesting. And there's a, a man, his hands are stretched out and he's he's blessing the bread the way that Jesus did. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, it really is a that's that's like physical proof evidence of the lord's supper having an impact in it, the world it's the only thing that wasn't argued right it, it's weird like and i and i'm making a big deal out of this and having this discussion because it's the only thing historically that wasn't argued the only thing it changes is who gets to administer it but in the early church as far as we can tell because again i don't want to lie to you all we don't know exactly what it looked like. We know we have images. We have some stuff. There's not a lot of this is written. Out. They didn't write bulletins, right? <laughs> so we um, have to assume they did it differently from church. We, from we group have to, to group to group. That's right. I mean, that would be insane to think they did. That's right. All the same. So the way Christianity looks in the United States today, I think, <laughs> would have looked a lot like it did in in that area at the time. You know, like it, a lot of people interpreted it differently. It's not until we start making it institutional that all of a sudden it starts to take shape into something different. So um, we know that, but we can't, we're not going to, we're not going to try to prove it because again, nobody argues that communion is not important. I'm sorry. Lord's supper is not important. The, uh, the other problems that we run into is this baptism, which we're not going to talk about today, but, in the end of Jesus's life, now I'm going to get back in the gear. At the end of Jesus's life, one of the very things that, things that he does that institutes an understanding of recognizing Jesus as Savior is this moment. So right after he does this, coincidentally, in the Gospel of Matthew, he talks about Peter's denial. So, so he does this, and then remember, he's already done this with Judas, 
Judas has already agreed to portray Jesus right before the institution of the Last Supper. And then right after this, we get this idea of Peter denying being told. So then Jesus said to the group, you will all become deserters because of me this night. Um, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Uh, Peter said to him, though all of you, so though all become deserters become, because of you, I will never desert you. Jesus said to him, truly, I tell you this very night before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. <laughs> Was that you, Betty? Josh. Yes. Where are you reading from? Matthew chapter 26, verse 30. I just finished. 35. 35. Okay, thank you. I've been lost. Nope, you're fine. I don't know where they got deserters because the word is from that scandalon thing. It's oh, the scandalous, scandalous, scandalous people. They or something will be offended. Scandalous thesis will be scandalized. How they got deserters out of that, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's not a good. It's not even close. Uh, say that phrase again. Scandalous. Scandalous thesis there, and then on the other, on the second time in thirty-two, it's. Scandalous, they so so tie there and there. Okay. It starts out with that scandal word, and isn't that part of the name of God? Like the Theos, is that part of that in there? I don't think so. Okay, so that's not the same. I don't think that's the same thing. My Bible just says fall away, fall away, fall away. I mean, uh, that's probably a better translation. I, I don't know why they did that. I don't either. It's interesting. It's uh, from that. Deserters is probably more accurate. I mean, that that's they like the sense of it. Yeah, but it doesn't. It's come not from the, the Greek. Yeah, no. I and mean, I'm speaking more accurate of what they did. That must be it. Yeah. Yeah, falling away almost says, "Oh, I accidentally fell." You know, <laughs> well, and, and it doesn't like, even say fall away. Fall away. Yeah. It just says we'll be yeah. offended. And then we'll do whatever. That's interesting. Yeah. What does it mean? Explain. I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. It's from Zechariah thirteen seven. What she said. So it was in a it was in a prophecy. Somebody that has a whole Bible can look up Zechariah. <laughs> so there's there's and there's also it's this. Not very far from Matthew. Shepherd is used uh, for rulers a, a bunch. Um, I mean, even even one of the Caesar Caesars refers to him as the shepherd of of Rome. Yeah, and and so there's. I think it's. I honestly think it's it's a sense. It's supposed. Uh, I don't want to say this, and then one of my professors hear me. But I I, I kind of look at it in the sense of like <clears throat> it's almost humor. It's it's almost like uh, I will come in humor, not as necessarily funny, but just as a style of genre at this time. Like I, I will strike uh, the shepherd. I will strike the leader of the place and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. So here's here's what happens to Rome and they will all be scattered amongst the earth. So just watch. And, and he uses and this is the humor part. Matthew is using stuff that they already know. So 
I guarantee you they knew Zechariah. Uh, Zechariah is such a weird book and 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 cool. Um, did, did you find it? I did find it. Yeah, I mean, it's almost like you'd have to really dive deep into the context of yeah, Zechariah. Yeah. Well, as I think you need to read what went on before too. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's the general concept here of uh, like if you strike if you strike the the care caregiver of the sheep, then the sheep are gonna scatter. I mean, that's the right. concept of it. Like you take the leader out, and then they're they're leaderless for a while. Uh, the next part of it says, in the whole land, two thirds will be struck down and perish. Yet one third will be left in it, and I will bring them into the fire i will refine them like silver and test them like gold they will call on my name and i will answer them i will say they are my people and they will say the lord is our god i don't know how that fits in completely into that but that's that's malachi i mean uh, zechariah isn't jesus acknowledging here that he's the shepherd i mean Yes. Only oh, says other places that he's yeah. different. Yeah, and, and Matthew <laughs> specifically uses that language. And I and I do, I think it's it's to counter counter uh, contradict what the other folks are saying, you know, the other leaders. I am the shepherd. I don't have any proof of it off the top of my head, but I, I do know that there's texts where other leaders outside the world of Judaism are calling themselves the shepherd. But like I said, one of the Caesars puts that down as his great thing. <laughs> I'm going right right now. I'm doing the great purge of my office, and I found all my notes from <laughs> one of these classes on early antiquity. And I had forgotten completely about there's this gigantic monolith built for one of the Caesars that has the story of his great power and might. And one of those images is of him being a shepherd mm -hmm. to uh to rome and and so I, i'm messing it up and i can't remember the name of the the, the one but, but they get it yeah they get it oh well the disciples don't i mean no he's, uh, he's prophesizing right here right oh yeah don't. and and i want to and i want to make sure that we 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 call it as we see it there's a problem with this text also that's the one thing i always warn you about when when you when you're talking about scripture about your faith whatever where the rabbis insert. changed it yeah it's a rabbinical insert yeah this is proof texting at its finest he's like you remember i will strike the shepherd uh and the shepherd the sheep of the flock will be scattered like ted just commented on and so did kim you have to take the entire text to make sure you understand what's going on he just takes that one text of i will I will uh, strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. He leaves out the whole rest of the story, which would have made more sense. So this is a rabbinical practice. I don't have a problem with it. I just, like, I just got to call it out when you see it. It puts a picture in your head when you read that phrase, just all by itself of almost like bam, scatter kind of a thing. <laughs> yes. That's, that's what comes to my head. <laughs> it's also that phrase that we used all throughout all of Christendom in the 20th century of, Judge not, yes, ye, ye be judged. Okay, fantastic. But you're taking it completely out of context, right? Like there's a whole thing that goes along with that passage. Yeah, I mean, I get it. It's also the one that we always use for, for youth, right? First Timothy 4.13, do not judge your youth uh, or do not let your youth be despised, you know? 
because whatever, and we use it for every single youth Sunday sermon, but there's a whole point of that that we take out of context. How do we do that? Well, our gospel writers gave it to us as the model, so <laughs> I'm not bitter. Can I even tell you where they got it? Can't even tell. Well, he he uh, probably do, but that's not. He's, well, he no, could I mean, have quoted. He he's he quotes Zechariah. Yeah, and it's like, don't go back and read that. Just trust me. On Just this. trust me on that. <laughs> exactly. Proof texting at its finest. Anyway, um, so so then there's this. Uh, oh Jesus, I would never betray you, and then we know he's gonna. So, interestingly enough, Jesus prays a lot in the Gospel of Matthew. Um, again, this is a spiritual practice, so it's not that Dr. Carter skips in it. He, he literally just says prayer in Gethsemane. That's just <laughs> that's all he does because it's a spiritual practice. So let's let's look at this part. Uh, so in verse thirty six says, then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and agitated. Then he said to them, I am deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here and stay awake for me. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed. My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not stay awake with me for one hour? Stay awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. Uh, I should say temptation. Temptation. Yeah. Time of temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away for the second time and prayed. Uh, my father, is that Abba? It's not Abba. Pater. Uh, okay. So dad if this cannot uh uh pass unless i drink it your will be done again he came and found them sleeping for their eyes were heavy so leaving them again he went away and prayed for the third time saying the same words then he came to the disciples and said to them are you still sleeping and taking your rest see the hour is at hand and the son of man is betrayed into the hands of sinners get up let us be going See, my betrayer is at hand. So, uh, interestingly enough, the Garden of Gethsemane is, well, what they call the Garden of Gethsemane is still there. There's these olive trees that are literally about the, the width of these tables um, that, you know, scientists have basically said they're over 2,000 years old because olive trees don't usually get that big. They've just been, it's, it's just, of fascinating to me that they have somehow burned up, blowed up, shot up everything else in the entire area, but somehow the the Garden of Gethsemane they've allowed to manage, maintain, take care of those olive trees, and they are humongous. Um, there's a church uh, just, I mean, literally right next to the Garden of Gethsemane. There's a monastery that that's their entire focus is to take care of this garden um and right i mean right next to it inside the church of the garden of the prayer of gethsemane there is this rock uh that where it says that he falls down to the ground that christians for thousands or for hundreds of years 
have believed that this is where Jesus fell to the ground and, and prayed to God. And so you will see people from all over the world come and lay down on on this on this rock um and and sometimes kiss it and sometimes just just be there weeping um praying to god um it's a beautiful place the the building itself is absolutely gorgeous speaking of frescoes uh there there are frescoes all the way around it and uh, it's just it's just a really really neat place interestingly enough the prayer at gethsemane has different interpretations, which we'll find as we continue on with this discussion of what happens at the at that place. Here's the image, though, that uh, Matthew is presenting. Um, Peter, James, and John, his triumphant three, can't even stay awake for a prayer. Um, you can't even prepare yourselves for when I die or the end of this time um it's it's powerful uh i i think it's probably one of the most powerful pieces in the gospel of matthew um portraying jesus's death with his triumphant trio and they they just they just cannot <laughs> in any way shape or form put it together that this is going to take place um yep Good. At a point when they have a friend who is at his lowest, right, and needs friendship more than any other time. Yeah, and and they just still don't get it. I tell you what, I've felt tired before. It is tough when you <laughs> when you get the sleep on you. You're like, oh, oh. And yeah. I heard one time too. They had just come from the Passover feast. How many how many glasses of wine? Oh, a bunch. <laughs> a bunch. So they were all a little drunk. Sure. Um, and that's you know that's that's typical of that time frame so it's hard to stay awake you had a big meal yeah big <laughs> meal yeah well my favorite part of this is that, that you're all right this is absolutely accurate the the distance from where they think that the last supper took place to this is probably in our terms about a mile away so they we think that they could have walked it off but then they were probably exhausted right i, I forgot the most important part this place that everyone believes that this took, this happened, uh, overlooks this uh, cemetery. That's on the other end of that is the is Jerusalem. So, from where they're at, you can see Jerusalem, um, like down below you, like it, it's it's the craziest image, and you're and it's literally it's a straight up hill, like from. From where you're at so I'm, I'm telling you you can see all of jerusalem from where this place is that jesus is laying down on the ground um even when you're walking on there you're having to walk like a goat like it's it's crazy um so i, I forgot that part too and so this is the place he's laying down yeah they're probably drunk tired exhausted um you may, it makes sense on the human side and robert um I think we all know what it means, but <clears throat> why the cup? What does what does the cup symbolize? You know, oh, takes the cup. You know, take the cup away from me. Because we're all smart and read can read. We we know what he's talking about. But the the cup. You know, why not take the olive branch away from me? Why not take the cross away from me? 
Yeah. What What does the cup symbolize? I think it's just a. I, I think it literally is making an allusion to what he said before at the Last Supper. Okay. That's I literally. Just, I think I and I'm not trying to simplify it, but I would say that that's in you know this. I'm giving. And he took a cup and after giving thanks, gave it to him saying, drink from it. This is my blood being passed. So I think the writer is making an allusion to that. Re-emphasizing. Re-emphasizing that. And, and again, I mean, we all know what it means is where we pick on the Old Testament where they tell us stuff that we don't know what it means. Right. I mean, here, right. here we know what, what he's talking about. The hope is this. Uh, I'm just reading from the internet. Frequently, the cup stands for God's judgment and wrath. Uh, for example, Isaiah 51, 17, Wake up, wake up, O Jerusalem. You have drunk the cup of the Lord's fury. You have drunk the cup of terror, tipping out its last drops. There's sort of an element of um, uh, punishment or suffering is like taking a drink of something. And one step further with all this, does this infer that Jesus didn't know what was going to happen? Um, I mean, that's that's the idea. He's or he knows what's going to happen, so he's asking for it not to happen. He is uh, his humanity showing. Humanity. His humanity is showing. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I'm, I'm one that stands that he he was human, and he even, uh, even if I he mean, knew that. Yeah, the res even if he didn't need the resurrection, even if he knew that, his physical body still had to endure the pain. You still got to do it. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you know, you can't. It's hard to look past that much pain and see what's happening afterwards. Yeah. And and I guess that's where I I fall. It's that's where the divine side gets in the way. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, I'm gonna get radical and I'm just gonna say it. I think Jesus sinned. <laughs> <laughs> which is a big no-no to say i mean you know but i, I don't see how you could be human and not i mean that's I our, agree. that's our wow. lot i i can't agree with that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i mean i'm okay with that. that's what i'm saying uh it's it's the point of debate but because I, why what do you mean can't be human and not saying oh i'm sorry i mean but then that but can you be I, divine and not can you be divine and sin oh see now you see? all are opening up exactly the problem i'm sorry no this is good it's good this is this is what this is what the gospel writers argue about healthy discussion this is what it's supposed yeah. to be matthew mark luke and john which all to this conflict at this prayer in matthew yeah that's and that's the part i want us to make sure we we acknowledge Matthew is really making us see his humanity. He does this on purpose. Luke, not so much. John, uh, there, there is very little humanity in Jesus's death, right? Which we'll get to. Mark is probably the closest to him being human as possible. And in that one, there's this idea that he has sinned. So I just, I don't want to freak you out yet. But I know, I don't want to mess you up. But there's this idea that as humans... Uh, it's a very early concept, and then slowly as Christianity continued to grow, this idea of being fully divine and maybe human became the new idea from the Gospel of John, which most of the church is brought up on. He's mad here. 
Oh, he gets mad in the Gospel of Luke over and over again. I mean, you know, he's he's not happy with his anger sin three times. Well, if, if our, God, it, God is anger, God, God brings wrath. See, you all are making really good arguments. I'm so proud of I'm you. I'm not all. sure that it's sin to doubt or question, however. Say that again. I'm not sure it's sin to doubt or question. I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> well, according to Torah, it is. Oh, okay. Uh -huh. Now there's just another one. Sorry, didn't mean to throw that into you. Damn. Like I haven't already got enough sense. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, what is the point of a prophet then? If uh, if you have a Hebrew Bible prophet, what's the point of the prophet? Oh, you guys are bad. But the reason that the prophet comes is to say you have doubted. You are not putting your full faith in the, the, the power and the majesty of God. Pull your heads out. Do it better. Look what y'all got. Let's Look at what you've got. It's right in front of you. So huh? we have parents. Well, that's right. And prophets <laughs> act as parents. You see how cool this is? It's but and it's it's meant to, to be. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And we don't want to look at we don't want to look at this in that way. Tell me my bad reading. Come on, we can do that tomorrow. That's right. It's a party today. So the so the hope then becomes as we continue with this discussion is is that uh, when we look at Hebrew Bible prophets, um, one of the, the big sins is is that you doubt the power and majesty of God. We are talking about Elijah in my Sunday school class on Sunday, and he's yeah as I refer to him as he's the superhero. Of the Hebrew Bible, like he's mentioned probably more than any other prophet ever, right? Um, he's he is a Mashiach and a prophet. He does miraculous things. He brings somebody back from the dead. He he does all kinds of crazy stuff as a human being, and not once does it mention his sin. The only time that he mentions his hata. Is, is that once he kills the false prophets, he goes and climbs into a cave to escape from the, 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 the army of Jezebel for fear that Jezebel will kill him for killing all the false prophets. So that's where he has his Hatah moment. And God sends him just to prove that God's there. God sends crows to bring him bread and food and things of that nature so that he can come out and, and, and face Jezebel with the full presence of god and elijah does not sin the only sin that he did is doubt god so it's hard right so mm -hmm. for us we go well jesus jesus can't sin well if he's human right it's the connecting point it's not that he, whether he can just, did he did he right <laughs> right right and there's there is and i don't have my context but there is like he went through these things yet without sin there's Right. There's stuff in the uh, epistles or somewhere. Yeah, Paul talks talk. about it specifically. Okay. Paul speaks about it specifically. Mm -hmm. I'm just I'm making the case right. for biblical study. I agree. Faith, I agree. I'm, faith is different. Yeah. And, you know, I know. Well, so we, anyway, we have what we call the word of God. Right. So, right. The word of God says this, but our faith, our heart preaches something different here in the gospel of Matthew. He wants to, us to see there's a human aspect. Absolutely. And then, just coincidentally, to show the human connection to us, right? He has the betrayal and arrest of Jesus. Now, let's look at that one. Are you okay with that? 
Just want to make sure I don't leave you all. This is a really good description. While he was speaking, Judas, one of the 12, arrived with him was a large crowd with swords and clubs. Uh, in the other Gospels, it'll talk about the Sanhedrin bringing their uh, temple guard. But but there's a, there's a large crowd with him with uh, swords and clubs. The chief priests and the elders of the people. That's not elders. What's that word there? It is? Okay. Well, all right. Now the betrayer had given... That's not good. <laughs> oh, no. You don't want it to I be I don't want it to be bad. Uh, now the betrayer had given them... I just never caught that before. Had given them a sign saying, the one I will kiss is the man. Arrest him. At once he came up and Jesus said to him, greetings, rabbi. Is that rabbi or is it... Rabbi. Okay, good. And kissed him. And Jesus said to him, uh, friend, uh, do what you are here to do. Then he came and laid hands on Jesus and arrested him. Then they came and uh, laid hands on Jesus and arrested him. Suddenly, one of those with Jesus put his hand on his sword and drew it and struck the slave of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Then Jesus said to him, put your sword back into its place for all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my father and he will at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? <coughs> ding, ding, ding. If that's not a, a connotation to uh, against Rome, I don't know what is. But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled when it says it must happen in this way? At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as though I were a bandit? Day after day, I sat in the temple teaching, and you did not arrest me. But all this has taken place so that the scriptures of the prophets may be fulfilled. Then all the disciples, should say, fled and deserted him, but fled and left him. I wonder if that's the same word. It's, it is. It's, it's got to be the skanda. No, it's not. It's, not. it's deserted. Fled. This it. That's it. Well, mine says deserted him and fled. And huh. Well, it has. I'm sorry. It has having left him. Authentes. Okay. 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 Having left. So it doesn't tell you it's Peter. Just tells you it's one, right? Because that's who we always assume that it, it takes the sword. Because he was the hasty one. Who would always, always the hasty one? Yeah, but then we had Simon, who's a zealot, but he would have. Probably didn't likely to have had a sword. Well. That's right. Again, though, there we have Simon and Simon Peter, so there mm -hmm. might be some confusion on that. Mm -hmm. But he was he was expecting God to lead him in battle. Mm -hmm. Who were who? Which of the disciples are present in this scene? He had three that he brought with him to pray: Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John. All of them were All of them, all them were there. The three it's just went farther. He to the left part of them at a place like. Well, you know, set them at this park bench, and the rest of them went further on down. To the yeah, that's that, that. That's really what you want to think of. It's about the size of this room, like the garden is. And then uh, over here, uh, we'll just say over here on the left-hand side, on the south side here, would have been where the church is, right? So the the disciples probably laid up against the olive trees and kind of passed out and rested while he went off to pray. There's a thing, and I want to make sure I say this. That when Jesus goes and prays, he always goes upwards uh, in all images and everything. He climbs up a mountain, which is why when you go to the Garden of Gethsemane, they have it up above the olive, uh, the, the Garden of Gethsemane. So he climbs up the mountain to go pray. 
that's on purpose because it's literally he's got to climb up. You you have to go upwards. So it gives you the image that he's going to be closer to God. Yeah, that's on purpose also. Yeah, higher up means you're closer to God. Looking overlooking Jerusalem, as God would perspective yeah. perspective. It's a literal perspective. And how did Judas know that he was the one that had to be the betrayer? Uh, it's a great question. <laughs> um, okay. Short answer. Our faith has always told us that Jesus knew from the beginning that Jesus, Judas was going to betray him. That's what the faith teaches us, right? Christianity teaches us that Jesus had already known that Judas was going to betray him from the beginning. Like Pam recognized, um, you have the, the, the trick is recognizing their last names. Now, I've had professors on both sides of this coin that say, we've got Simon the Zealot, you've got Judas of Iscariot. Iscariots were a militant group like Hamas. Um, Zealots were people that would have no problem jumping up and dying. You know, uh, they literally are, um, uh, we get a lot of names from that word. Um, so, so these these people, the people in Masada, are always referred to as the the zealots of Masada, like they they died, you know, without letting Rome ever taking them. Like that's that's a whole thing, right? It's it's this crazy story, um, which if I ever go back and I take you with me, we're going to Masada because I didn't get to see it, and it's this awesome story, and it's the one place my dad always wanted to go and never went. So anyway, this uh, so there's supposed to be clues. That we're not going to get by their names. Um, they wanted Jesus to be an, uh, uh, a conqueror. They wanted him to come in like Hercules. The, the, the Jewish people. Yeah. Um, and I would say all of those oppressed by Rome. Because, uh, you know, we, we struggle with this idea that it, this story is only being heard by Jews. Well, Every you want to think Jerusalem is as cosmopolitan then as it is today. There's so many people. It's like it's like a, a suburb of Chicago. <laughs> like there's so many people in this little area that on the trade routes. Yeah, you're. I mean, literally right in the middle of this massive trade route. It's the it's the only fertile area of the whole area. You know, which is not necessarily true, but it was close to water. Um. And there's underground underground springs that run all over throughout this whole area that's fresh and it's amazing. So the point that I'm making here is, is that they wanted Jesus to be this conqueror that would come in, defeat all of Rome, kill all the bad guys, and then free us from our bondage. And he doesn't physically do that. So if we have these understandings of judas being of an iscariot hamas militant group which again i can't prove or deny this is again some scholars say it some scholars don't um and he doesn't do that it would make sense that judas iscariot um decides that we need to get him out of the way so the next revolutionary leader could take over and and lead us to the next thing maybe with his death it will spark a revolution like it did with Judas Maccabeus's family that happened in 165 BCE. So 
Um, because what happens is, is when Judas Maccabeus's family gets murdered brutally, Judas brings in a hammer and just, I mean, just kills the bad guys in a brutal, awful way, puts their heads on pikes. I mean, disembowels them. Uh, and, and he just does this and then nobody mess with Israel for, I, I want to say 150 years because of that power. <laughs> so, so Judas, if he's even just a devout Jew will remember the story of Judas Maccabeus. So if, if Judas thinks that if Jesus gets killed by Rome, it'll spark a revolution and everybody will rise up because the Jews outnumber the Romans in Jerusalem. Theoretically, they don't really, but that's the idea. That's what happens when you have people that are enslaved and um, and have been for a long period of time. Is just the only way to get themselves out of it is liberation. And so, I think if I'm being sociological or anthropo, now I'm going to be sociological. Judas would look at it in sense of a it with his death, or even just his ar arrest. It'll cause a revolution, um, which it does and it doesn't. And I always heard that if God was forcing his hand and that Jesus would come into his throne and not be. And call the leaders. Right. Yeah. right, right. Yeah, yeah. there's another part of that too, yeah. Because if, if if Jesus does he then die, hand to, to prove it. Yeah, and, yeah. and then Jesus would, would take over the power that, that they wanted from him. Mm-hmm. And and no harm would come to Jesus, which is a cool concept if you think about it, right? Because that's the same temptation that Satan puts at him right. at the very that's, beginning. I think that's the correlation that I had heard once before in a sermon yeah. somewhere that the that possibility that Judas was not trying to kill Jesus. He and was Judas. trying. He was. Hmm? Judas wasn't trying to kill Jesus. You know what I said? Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, he was just trying to force his hand so that he would would take take his pet right yeah i think that's very interesting i hadn't really thought about it like that i always kind of read it like judas just didn't like jesus or didn't like certain things about him and decided to turn on him but if he had a motive that's sort of a a distorted yet good motive for his people that that you know that's that makes interesting storytelling for well, sure and then matthew would definitely tie it to the temptation of satan mm -hmm. like what what is the one thing that he he does to him over and over again power uh you know you, you just this ability to lead and rule uh and and no one you could be thrown off the top of the temple and you're not even going to dash your toe upon a rock like judas I mean, even if he goes in that route like if he's a devout jew and he believes that because he knows torah just like satan does uh that 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 would make total sense also so there's there's a lot of ways marilyn that that's i want to answer that question as fairly as i can <laughs> Did you remember you asked the question? Yeah. Well, it's it's a big question. Yeah. Like, why why did you, Judas do that? You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> why did Judas? Why did Judas do that? Like, why did Judas betray Jesus? Well, the it's it's not a, a simple question. Yeah. That was your question, right? Yes. Okay. Good. Well, we're going to stop there because we could go on forever. But uh, yes, go ahead. In verse fifty, where it says. In, in my Bible, it says, oh, okay, Jesus replied, friend, do what you came for. And then it says, then the men stepped forward. Who's the men? Well, 
it's the same group of people that were the large crowd with the swords and the clubs. Okay, so Matthew isn't giving you a name. Not necessarily Romans. Oh no, not at this point. Or were they just no? The Romans aren't. The Romans aren't into it yet. No, just the the priests and and. I have a notation elders I wrote that says not Romans, but I just wanted to clarify that it was definitely not Romans. Sounds like it. Yeah, priests and elders and people. The guy with the ear later. I mean, in some of the other gospels. Yeah, it might be John. This one he just cuts his ear off. Yeah. Yes, he does. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna tell you that, and we'll just leave it there. Okay. I just. Uh, we're gonna stop there. We're gonna pick up on measure. Uh, sorry, measure. Uh, <laughs> at verse number fifty-seven, um, Jesus before the high priest. Um, I'm gonna talk a lot about Caiaphas. Um, he's a historical person that we we do know existed. Um. And uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll we'll just kind of leave it there for today. So I'm gonna stop my recording.